Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Boston Sanctuary since 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the Boston metropolitan area and beyond. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. We're located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets in downtown Boston, Massachusetts. Arlington Street Church gathered in love and service for justice and peace. Good morning. But before I start the sermon, I just have to say how happy I am to be here today, and especially how happy I am to be coming back this fall as an affiliated community minister and to be leading some adult classes and other workshops. So it's nice to see some familiar faces here today, and I look forward to um, seeing those friends again and to making some new friends um, maybe today and when I'm back. So my topic is how do we begin again? In a short period of time, my mother died, and then my father and my husband died within a month of each other. And as a minister and as a chaplain at the Brigham, I have spent a lot of time with people in many difficult moments. So I have a lot of experience personally and professionally beginning again. And for me, spirituality is how we find meaning, how we find connection with each other, with nature, and with whatever we find to be the most holy. So the central task, as I see it, after our losses, and losses of many types, is to recreate those connections to find new life after death. So one question we might ask is, is there life after death? And I am here to say yes. Yes, there is life after death. We are free to recreate ourselves each moment. We're free to be reborn to new life and to new love. We can resurrect ourselves here and now when we overcome and transform our losses and begin to live a life of greater wholeness. My life is certainly very different now, but life is good. So how do we begin again? How do we reconnect with those things in life that inspire us the most? To find our way back to joy and hope after the inevitable difficulties in our lives is perhaps the hardest task each of us can face. In the face of our losses, we may find ourselves just going through the motions. But I would like to suggest, if you ever feel that way, that we might have forgotten a very simple truth, one that's easy to forget, that each of us has the power within us to overcome the unthinkable and to be reborn, to live life not just as survivors, but as full participants creating new love and joy. We each have the ability to keep hope alive and to find new life. But yes, first we must face the darkness, 
There's no way that I know of to avoid the period of darkness when we have faced a devastating blow. It doesn't matter how strong or successful we are, no one can prevent the suffering that is part of life. Sooner or later, we will find ourselves feeling alone and frightened, not knowing where to turn. This darkness may follow a death, an illness, a broken relationship, or even one of those milestone birthdays. At some point, many of us may feel like there's been a veil dropped between us and the rest of the world. Especially after my husband died, I felt like the world was continuing on its usual path and that the people around me were all in motion. I was close enough to see them, but not to really be with them. It was like time had stopped for me, but not for them. And on top of that, our pain may threaten some people. It stirs up feelings that they may not want to be with. So it can be difficult for others to be with us in our pain. And most people want to cheer us out of our grief or our anger. Yes, anger is a very natural response to suffering. Often we're angriest at those closest to us. We may turn on our friends for the simple reason that they're happy and not suffering like we are. When mourning a death, we may be angry at the person who has died for abandoning us. We may turn our anger against ourselves. We can be angry at ourselves for not being better able to bounce back from our losses. We may be angry at God for not preventing the tragedy that has befallen us or for not responding to our prayers. And just as pain takes time to heal, sometimes we just have to wait for anger to subside as time goes by. Pain does have an end. It may be hard for us to see that in the midst of a hard time. But pain does end and we will find ourselves standing on the other side of this abyss. And as we begin to gain more distance from the pain, we may even find we have learned important lessons from it. Martin Gray was a survivor of the Holocaust, and he wrote a book called For Those I Loved. After the war, he rebuilt his life, became successful, married, and raised a family. Life seemed good, especially after the horrors of the concentration camp. Then his wife and children were killed when a forest fire destroyed their home. Martin was distraught, pushed almost to the breaking point. People urged him to demand an inquiry into what caused the fire. Instead, he decided to put his energy into protecting the forest from future fires. He explained that an investigation would only focus on the past, on loss and blame and sorrow. He wanted to focus on the future. He said, setting out to find a villain and accusing people of causing your misery only makes a lonely person lonelier. Life, he tells us, needs to be lived for something not against something. So a question we might ask in the dark moments, 
is what do we choose to live life for? So how do we begin again? Sometimes when we're experiencing difficulties, our first instinct is to push people away. It seems counterintuitive to shut people out at the very time we need them the most, but most of us do it anyways. And I know I did this. We may turn down offers to go out with friends or be abrupt on the telephone. We may just want the world to leave us alone. But we may lose sight of the fact that there is great comfort in not being alone. One of the things I believe the most is that most of us can handle almost anything if we know that we don't have to do it alone. There's a story, a true story, I'm told, about a contest to find the most caring child. The winner was a four-year-old boy whose next-door neighbor had just lost his wife. Upon seeing the elderly man cry, the little boy went into the old gentleman's yard, climbed onto his lap, and just sat there. When his mother asked him later what he had said to his neighbor, the little boy said, nothing, I just helped him cry. Sometimes we need to just help each other cry. No matter what we think, no matter how it feels, we are not alone. There are people who care about us, who want to help us, and whose presence can offer us hope. Sometimes spending time with someone, just having a change of scenery, can raise our spirits. Sometimes the best thing we can do is to get out of bed and out the door. These things aren't going to cure our grief or pain, but they can help us rejoin the world around us. Most people prefer not to deal with the pain or grief of others. So that is why they may not call us. But if we can muster the strength, this is the time for us to reach out to them. We must try hard to not resent their silence. Instead, we can teach them to not be afraid. We can show them that they don't need to say anything profound or enlightening. All they need to do is to show up and be there with us. Of course, this is not as easy as it sounds. First, we have to find the energy to actually pick up the phone and reach out for help. Next, we have to be brave enough to allow people to see us in a vulnerable place. And we have to face the possibility of being hurt, of putting our trust in someone who might let us down. But we can't let one person's insensitivity shatter our faith in human kindness. Just as there will be people who disappoint us with their lack of caring, there will be others who surprise us with their generosity of spirit. The night my husband died, the hardest thing I had to do was call my daughter, who was in school in New York, and let her know that her dad was gone. The night before, they had been on the phone together, laughing and celebrating one of the Patriots' big championships. A close friend was with me but said she needed to leave. She left in the middle of the night, 
to pick up her daughter, who had decided to take the train from South Station. Julie and my daughter Jen had grown up very close, but had drifted apart when they went to college. But now Julie took the train to New York in the middle of the night so that Jen wouldn't have to come home alone. She brought a blanket and headphones, bundled her up for the ride home. And this was a tremendous, unexpected gift for us. At first, we both said, no, you don't have to do that. But fortunately, we came to our senses and said yes, because this was a great comfort to both of us. So say yes when people offer. Reverend Wayne Mueller, one of my favorite authors, says, rather than hide, our challenge is to speak what is true, to share the contents of our hearts, to describe for others the emotional geography of our greatest concerns. By locking away our most terrible feelings, we keep them alive and strong. By attending to them, mindfully exploring and acknowledging them, by speaking them aloud in the company of others, we allow them to recede, to fade, and to gradually take up less space in our body and soul. Creating small connections is a way to begin again. You may have grown up like I did in a family where maintaining a stiff upper lip was the way we were expected to deal with pain. But if we can, let us try to leave our hearts open, even a crack to welcome in the people who are there waiting to help. Finding our way back to community is often the beginning of true comfort. Memory can be another way to begin again. Memory has the power to transport us away from pain. Memory can return us to happier times. We each have the power to call upon the joy of the past. We can reach back and remember and smile. And I know firsthand that not all memories are happy and comforting, but I believe that most of us do have some memories of good times and good moments we can call upon to comfort us in our darkest moments. Each time I cook one of my mother's recipes, I smile and remember just how much she loved to cook for us. As time passes, we will find ourselves further and further removed from the immediacy of our pain. We will continue to look back at it, but from an ever-changing perspective. In my view, healing is not like climbing a ladder. It's more like climbing an unending spiral staircase. We return to the same place in the circle, but now we're standing on a higher landing. From above, we can see the same experience, but with new eyes. And over time, as we make our journey away from pain and grief to new life, something strange will happen. We may not even notice the gradual change, but one morning we'll wake up and realize we're feeling good, that we're actually taking pleasure in things again, that small tasks don't seem as difficult and life doesn't seem as bleak. 
the light before us becomes more visible and welcoming. Throughout our lives, we should, we will feel the pain of our losses, and the scars will still be present after much time passes. But we may also see the strength of our spirits, our resilience, our ability to persevere in the face of pain. This is how we begin again. This is how we find new life and love. May we all remember in our times of deepest darkness that deep within us, we each have the strength to begin again. Amen.